These are the honest conversations of the men discerning the priesthood in the Diocese of Nashville. Seminarians, learning what it means to follow Christ's call. You're going to have to interact with the people and you're going to have to knock on their door and be like, hey, like, I haven't seen you in a while. Are you okay? Everything's going on. Dealing with the challenges. Sometimes I was like, boy, I wish I would have paid more attention in that class. <laughs> I'd be able to answer this question a little bit better. Let me get back to you. Finding the beauty. At least for us in our seminarian time, um, we have to do papers. We have to do all these things, but always uh, create some times where you're going to spend time with the Lord. This is the Nash Vocations Podcast. Adapted for Nashville Catholic Radio. Hello and welcome to the Nash Vocations Podcast. My name is Justin Farr. I'm a seminarian for the Diocese of Nashville. And uh, um, and of interest, I go to St. Monred Seminary and I'm going into my uh, third year of theological education. Uh, and I'm coming at you uh, with a full house here. Uh, the topic is on conversion. In the booth here with um, Andy. Mm-hmm. Tyler, Seth, say hello to the folks. Hello, everybody. Hello, folks. We're lucky. We're blessed in this diocese to have a bunch of seminarians, again, future priests who are who have undergone the conversion process. And I'm a convert. Again, Andy's a convert. Tyler, Seth, we're all converts here. I don't know about y'all, but every time like I mention I'm a convert, again, people's eyes perk up and and they and they want to know more. Let's go around the table. And just give a two to three minute uh, version of your conversion story, or or in this case, like in Seth, a reversion story. So the way my conversion story kind of begins here, a little bit of Baptist kind of background, but really just very briefly Baptist. Because before I was nine years old, family didn't go to church. And after a one, one year period of going to church, family didn't really go to church after that. But it was during this time period that I had a conversion spirit experience to the faith and everything. I mean, to kind of belief in Jesus. We, we got a computer in the house and I discovered things like internet atheism and uh, in this 2006 around the big around that time which atheism kind of had a new atheism kind of had a big boom. And so I encountered things uh, that questioned Christian faith and and so that's uh, okay do we have responses for these and it was through kind of encountering um christian apologists but more from a protestant angle that i developed a sense of christian orthodoxy about okay what do we believe as christians like things like the trinity from a theological point of view to things like uh again uh marriage is one man and one woman and abortion is evil so from a moral standpoint and so later i began to wonder okay we're not going to church i'm getting late in high school what church like i learned about different denominations which church do i join and so that led me in investigation of different denominations. And then after that, that eventually led to me looking at the Catholic Church as a potential option because of those various things that drew me to it over the course of certain, over the course of those years. And and it just uh, I kind of wrap up my conversion story. There's three things ultimately that pulled me to the Catholic Church, and then a fourth one that sustained me later after I became Catholic. One was the testimony of the Catholic Church throughout history that the Catholic Church has been around for 2,000 years. And nobody really really kind of disputes that necessarily that the Catholic Church has been has been around for a very long time. They just say, okay, like maybe like the Catholic Church broke off or something from the true church or whatever, whatever your theological bent in. But but Catholic Church has a long two thousand year history and not looked into that and discovered things like the church fathers and, and the Catholic practice of the early Christians. And then second, I was drawn to the church's liturgy, wanted to worship God in this liturgical way, coming from a very non-liturgical background, wanted to worship God in the way that we do as Catholics in the liturgy. 
And then third, uh, the Catholic Church's moral and theological um, orthodoxy and its, the integrity of its teaching has it, always taught one thing, and it continues to teach that one thing, uh, and 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 didn't compromise, and hasn't like taught something different. And I and I and eventually led to me, okay, the testimony of Christ establishing the church upon Peter, and the particular charge that Jesus gave to Peter, and and said, you are the rock upon which I will build my church, feed my sheep, tend my lambs, and it's I think it's obvious both in the Bible, in the New Testament, and in the testimony of the early church that Christ gave authority and power to Peter, but then, but then the testimony of history it gives a, an account of how this power and authority he gave Peter kind of lasts through his successors, and so again that and 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 I came into the church officially like in uh, in 2013 at Saint Rose of Lima in Murfreesboro, yeah, and uh, and again been Catholic ever since, and and I, and I couldn't picture being anywhere else. Pass it off to Andy or anybody else that feels ready to like kind of give their kind of brief conversion story. So I grew up in Portland, Oregon, uh, and grew up charismatic. Um, always faithfully attended church every Sunday with my family. Um, you know, played in the worship group and stuff, played drums. Uh, faithful family, still faithful. Uh, so really, I went off to college, and it was kind of at this point that I ran into a crisis of, as many college students do, of not exactly knowing why they believe in Christ and in God and really what it, the whole reason behind it. I remember I, I took a class on death and the meaning of life was the title, and I realized I was going to die. And I was like, I was like, oh no, <laughs> that's terrible news. Uh, and what got me through that especially were a few authors, but um, reading Ecclesiastes. And... And then fast forward about a year later, I read about St. Francis of Assisi, who before this, uh, I had basically never heard about a saint in my life. And I read this book on him and um, I realized like, wait, there's this guy who lived in the, in, what, the uh, 13th century was, as they called him back then, another Christ. And, and in the true sense of the word of what a Christian should be, which is another Christ. And I thought, wow, there's people like that existed. Whereas before I thought it was just a bunch of cultural Catholics as, you know, the general nominally Protestant kind of view on um, the church before uh, the Reformation. And I realized there's faithful Catholics back then or Christians. And then a little bit later we went, I took a class um, for studying the Reformation and we actually went over to Europe uh, went to Germany and Switzerland, followed the trail of Martin Luther on the 500th year anniversary of the Reformation. So this is 2017. The professor I went with really framed the Reformation not really as a triumph, but actually more of a, as a tragedy. He he sort of would see it as a schism that there was this massive break um, between Christians. So really, I come back from this trip now not equating Christianity necessarily with Protestantism. But it kind of opened up the door to actually starting to think that Catholicism actually might be true, Um, because it was indisputable at the time that, of course, the church before Martin Luther and all these uh, reformers was obviously Catholic, and everybody believes the Catholic faith. So that was really the door that kind of opened up, and I started reading some Catholic authors. Marshall McLuhan was one. Uh, Walker Percy was a very important Southern uh, Catholic author. When I read these guys, 
all basically all I felt was it seems really nice to be Catholic. And I, I even had moments where I'd be walking to work or walking back and I would imagine myself as a Catholic. Like I'm going to pretend like I'm Catholic right now. And then everything would be like beautiful and I would see the birds and the trees. <laughs> and it was just like, wow, it's so nice. And then I would go back home and kind of forget about it. And then like a couple of weeks later, I would do the same sort of experiment. That moment I was like, all right, God, if you want me to be Catholic, I'll do it. So I believe God answered my prayer at that moment, um, gave me a little sign. And I was like, all right, I'm going to become Catholic. So the first time I ever talked to a Catholic priest was the following Friday. Uh, and now I'm on this journey of going to seminary and seeing if I have vocation. So for my story, I, uh, so I wasn't raised Catholic, obviously. Uh, my parents were good old Southern Protestants. My mom's side was all Methodist. My dad's side was all, uh, Baptist. You know, my family stopped, went to church, going to Sunday school, going to all these services. They just, they just got busy and they just kind of fell away. And then I was the only one. I had a car. I, I drove myself to, to service and I kind of fell away too. So I was 16 and like all other 16 year olds, I thought I knew everything. So kind of was like, you know what? I, don't, I think this Christianity thing might be nonsense. Uh, <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> Tell me more, please. Something's really, really weird here. And I, I did. So I, I said, you know, I'm going to start experimenting with every other religion I can find. I'm going to start like diving into other things. So like, I, I, I read the Quran. I went back and I reread the Old Testament. So I was like, maybe the Jews are right. Uh, maybe, maybe Islam's right. Then I kind of, I separated from Abrahamic religions. I started looking at more Eastern religions. So um, Buddhism, I was uh, Taoist for a time, which is an Eastern kind of philosophical religion. I, I still credit it with, with really helping me learn how to reevaluate my own life. So this is like 2008 or so, I started going into um, the new age movement. So uh, I started working with uh, things in the occult and magic and tarot cards and started doing a lot of that, um, which I don't recommend. But <laughs> if you have an opportunity, don't. Um, but, but I did. And practically I was, I was agnostic. I was atheist, you know, I didn't believe. And if there was a God, you know, he really didn't care about us. That's really kind of where I sat for, for quite some time. And one day I was driving, it was late at night. I was driving down the, the road in Gallenberg, which is my hometown, very small place. There's a, a little church there and I was driving down the road and I, I, I'm driving past it. And I was like, you know what? I've always wanted to know what that church looked like on the inside. And I had some Catholic friends growing up. They always talked about churches being unlocked. What if this church is? So I pull in, it's late at night. I get out of the car. I start walking up towards the door. The security light motion detector turns on, illuminates me standing there like a deer in headlights. I was like, oh no. I walk inside the church and it was the most peaceful place I had ever been. I just, I was like, okay, this is, there's something about this. There was holy water. I knew I was supposed to touch it and cross myself, but I was afraid I would like burst into flames or the ground would open and swallow me whole. <laughs> and, uh, but I did it. I, I like I dipped my finger in it and I did a sign of the cross and I prayed for the first time in years there. It was, uh, it was a really powerful experience. I went to my first mass the next morning, like a Tuesday morning mass. And then I went to the Saturday vigil mass that next weekend. And Monday morning, I walked into the office and I said, I don't know what I have to do, but this is where I want to be. I've never looked back. It was the best decision I ever made. 
Yeah, thank you for that. I just kind of want to ask, like, what, what was that prayer? But I just like went to the the front and I prayed down and I I just I felt like I was actually talking to God. You know, I felt like mm-hmm. like I was actually being able to say like, what am I supposed to be doing now? Yeah, mm-hmm. and that was it was just a lot of I don't know what to do and help me figure that out. Yeah, been knowing Seth for a couple of years now and he has a story of kind of reversion and mm-hmm. stuff. So can Seth kind of, can you talk more about that? So yeah, I am uh, the only cradle Catholic in this room right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't make it any better though. <laughs> had first, I was baptized, first communion, first confession, but I'd not get confirmed. As I got older, I stopped going to CCD. So that's why I didn't get confirmed. We stopped going to mass at some point, but in high school, this was kind of this is kind of the first conversion slash reversion. I had a friend in Spanish class, and he was a goth and wore all black, listened to heavy metal, death metal, cool guy. You know, he just mentioned like, hey, you know, in the Book of Revelation, the city of uh, Smyrna, Antioch. I don't remember which one. One of those two. One of them. One of those. He mentioned that. I was like, oh, that's cool. So I decided to read through the Book of Revelation, and it was cool. I thought it was awesome, like dragon, do the sword coming out of his mouth, good stuff. But then, you know, I really liked it. I was like, oh, there's there's something here. I like this apocalyptic stuff. I want to see more of it. So I s- started Genesis and made my way back to Revelation. But when I got to the Gospels, there was something different about Jesus. And it made me stop and think. It's a story of the rich young man where he says to him, hey, would I need to be perfect? He says, go, sell, give, then come follow me. And the rich man goes away disappointed. But Jesus is like, come follow me. And I knew at that point that he was calling me to do something. I just didn't know what it was. So, you know, I graduated high school and started working with my dad. And so I was praying every night, but it wasn't deep prayer. It was just like, oh, hey, Jesus, uh, let me have a good day tomorrow. Keep my brother, who's he was a Marine at the time, keep my brother safe. He's in Iraq. Hey, help my family. Whatever. Just basic prayers that a child would say. And those prayers are good. Those prayers are good. But then... They, they weren't enough to sustain me in my faith. So for 10 years, I just kind of did my own thing, kind of like Tyler. I, I didn't really ever experiment with anything, but I thought about it. I really thought about going to a Buddhist temple and maybe becoming Buddhist. Like, I really seriously considered doing that. You already shaved your head. Yeah, well, I did shave my head then. <laughs> I did not shave my head then. If you want to know what Tyra's talking about, uh, look at the vocation posters. <laughs> and so we got a new priest at my parish. You know, they started talking about theology and the homilies. They started talking about the devil and demons. And that the book of Revelation is what got me in the first place. So they immediately had my attention like, oh. And so then I remember seeing in the bulletin one said, hey, uh, RCA is coming up. If you've been Catholic and need to be confirmed and never confirmed, come to RCA. It's like, oh, yeah, I'll do that. So I went to RCA from there. Yeah, that becomes the vocation story. So, mm. yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so like, thank you guys for sharing your um, conversion stories. And and, uh, and we saw connections how like it links to vocation story and stuff Seth said it goes right into the vocation mm-hmm. story what did conversion teach you about conversion and what I mean by that is that what did your ecclesial or like church conversion your convert converting to the church teach you about spiritual conversion in your life get the ball rolling to start that on my end I guess the thing it kind of taught me was that Conversion doesn't stop once you've converted. Mm. Is that it's always it's a continual kind of thing. I mean, in in conversion, t- 
definitely take steps. I mean, it, take, it took steps for me to like pray to Mary for the first time. But once I made that step, that opened up the window for me to feel safe about praying to the other saints and so on. And so uh, another aspect is that um, there's still aspects in which... Um, uh, as I go through my my faith, that reminds me of my my previous days within Protestantism, but but so how though how there's value in that in those in those times and how they kind of continue to be uh, valuable those moments and those kind of values I carry with me and they continue to me helps me to be a better Catholic and so I guess for me I have to say yes I'm a Christian man I'm a follower of Christ I'm a follower of his, I'm a follower of his church every single day even with the the issues that and the problems that come about uh, and so um it just open that up to anybody else in the like uh, open them up to you guys and stuff what has conversion taught you about conversion definitely <clears throat> sorry definitely one one thing that that was really important for me um you're right like, like your conversion never stops like right immediately after your conversion you, you i think the part where i understand that understood that the best is you know i, I entered rcia after my my interaction my first going to mass i think rcia was like two months later mm-hmm. and so i started rcia i started going through the process um started looking at my life differently, started making better choices with my life, uh, still not really understanding this whole Catholic thing as, as well as I, I probably should. I'm still in RCA, so still figuring it out. You know, I get a new job. I, you know, have some, some really good friends there. I got, you know, really close to this one person there and having a good relationship. And the one thing that was really hard was, well, I was still in RCAA like a month away from Easter. Um, this friendship that I had developed, this person I gotten close to died in a car accident. Mm-hmm. And I, I ended up like I was in the road, I was on the road when I got the phone call, pulled over at a, a, a church, started screaming inside the church, had a really bad moment there. It was really hard, you know, that you had this, this conversation with God, like here I am giving my, you know, giving you know, my life for this. You know, like I'm trying to, to figure out what you want from me. Like here I, I'm doing this and this is what you do for me. Like having this really big argument with God and um, realized, you know, as, as I'm doing this, like I'm, I'm like, I'm done with this. I'm not going to finish this RCIA thing. I'm not going into the church in Easter. And I, I get up to, to walk out of the church and like, like God himself had thrown lightning at me. I had, uh, I realized that I had just spent like the last 20 minutes yelling at a crucifix <laughs> about how bad my life is. Like, <laughs> how dare you do this mean stuff to me? Like, like, don't get me wrong. It was super sad, but like here I am yelling at God who loves me more than anything, who gave up his life for me. And I'm, I'm, I'm realizing that and I'm loving that and I'm falling more in love with God. And I remembered the, uh, a quote from uh, a cardinal in a book that I was reading at the time about um, discernment and about, about um, uh, just priesthood in general, that whenever the good Lord gives you a cross, fall on your knees and thank him because that's the cross that's gonna make you holy. That's the cross that'll make you a saint. Uh, that's the cross he's ordained for you to have. 
it was at that moment that I had realized, like I had I had wandered through so many other religions and I had picked up stuff and dropped it off and, and not taken any of that like seriously. None of it had really changed me who I was. And here I was, I was about to do the same thing. I was about to drop it off and not let it change me. It was just something that I was just gonna put on. Um, and that's when I realized I can't do that anymore. And that moment where I realized I was so close to walking away from the greatest thing that I had ever had in my life was a big wake up call. And, and that was the point I think I realized what it meant to truly convert. Yeah, I'll say um, a big part of my conversion was the first time I went to confession. I was 20, so I'd been baptized when I was 15. And so I knew all those past sins from before then were, were glanced, but you know, now it's 20, 21. And now I have six years of sins going through college <laughs> and all that. And I knew, I believed a hundred percent of the power of the sacrament. And so when I went in, um, this is one of the greatest experiences in my life, uh, was the first time ever coming out of that confessional and seeing, again, it was kind of like when I would picture myself being a Catholic, the world was, beautiful and nice again, but it was actually very real. It was like, I, it wasn't just this, this is really nice. It was that I was dead and I was dead to the world, I was dead to God, I mean, I was dead to everybody. And I came back and I received new life. Um, and then you get confirmed and then you fall again. And you're like, oh wait, <laughs> that was, I thought it was supposed to now be, like I thought this was supposed to work, you know? and. And you slowly start to realize that it, for me, the biggest thing has been the power of the sacraments, especially confession, but um, of always coming back again and again, um, like I think of our Lord's, the, the Lord's prayer, or give us this day our daily bread, and especially with daily mass uh, and receiving heavenly bread. I mean, it's, it's, that is actually how you become holy, is, is the daily um, return to Christ uh, which the church gives us through sacraments. And it really, you know, there'd be times where I was fairly committed to daily mass since converting, but, you know, there'd be times you're like, oh, well, today's rough day or this week's a rough week, so I'm not going to go, I'll go Sunday. Um, live for 21 years without the sacraments. I need this every single day. Like, it's almost, there's almost a sense when you're a convert, like you have to, like, you're getting caught up with everybody else, you know? <laughs> and uh, and to, to one degree, that might be true. The daily reception of the sacraments and uh, frequent confession has been really my foundation since becoming Catholic. Um, even when you're like, oh man, I'm doing pretty good. Like I'm receiving the sacraments. Like, no, go to confession. Keep like, just keep returning back to God's grace. And you'll always be surprised by like how much more God wants to give you. Like that's kind of the, the, the surprise when you become Catholic is like, um, oh wait, I'm not in heaven yet. And um, God actually does still have more and more for my life than just becoming Catholic. He wants me to actually become a saint and to seriously transform my whole life and my soul. So, um, yeah, that would be the biggest daily conversion thing for me is, is the sacraments. I entered seminary like right after almost a year after I was confirmed. So in seminary, I mean, everything is just kind of thrown at you formation wise. So there wasn't really time to have kind of those experiences that y'all have had. Mm-hmm. 
the one thing that that sticks with me and will always stick with me is that in my sophomore year, uh, my brother was murdered and the conversion of the conversion happened then because you deal with something like that and you start to think like the problem of evil. Like how can an all loving God allow something like this to happen? And then you just start spiraling into, well, there's rapists, there's serial killers, there's all these horrible people. And it took like almost, I stopped receiving communion because I was like, I don't, believe in an all-loving God right now, so I'm not going to receive communion, because mm-hmm. I just don't believe it. Mm-hmm. can't see him that way right now. And it took a couple of months to struggle with that, and talking with my spiritual director, and talking with my formator, and our vocation director. But eventually, the conversion happened, of being able to shift from, I'm not seeing God as an all-loving God, to going back to, God is all-loving, but sometimes, bad things happen. There is the problem of evil. And even though horrible things happen, God can bring good out of those evil things. I don't know what that good is. I don't know how my brother's death relates to that. I don't know what good came out of that. I don't know what good comes out of babies being hurt, but it does. Mm. And it's just the conversion of having to just trust in God and saying, I don't understand it. But those are some questions I'm going to ask when I get up there, Jesus. Mm. I'm, I, I, I want that blueprint, man. <laughs> I want to see the flow chart. <laughs> like the greatest evil that's ever been inflicted on this earth, and that's the death of the Lord Jesus mm-hmm. on the cross. Death he, of God, yeah. Yeah, death of God. Mm-hmm. Yep. Perfectly innocent. Did nothing to nobody. And yet he was put on the cross for his troubles and stuff. But it was through that cross through that evil that he brought about the greatest good, the salvation of our souls. Mm-hmm. What did Christ, who did Christ give the authority to to help solve disputes and to help actually preach the gospel and help to, to convert the nations and stuff? And and my answer for that, and I think the answer for all of us here is that in the Catholic Church is that mm-hmm. church that Jesus Christ established. I mean, yeah, Christ said that he wouldn't leave us orphans. He yeah. wouldn't abandon yeah. us, mm-hmm. and uh, he left us the church. So uh, definitely, you know. Come yeah. home. Yeah. 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 And Jesus, like, he didn't leave us alone, but right now we're going to leave y'all alone a little bit for now. <laughs> until, the, until, the, uh, until the next episode of the Nash Vocations podcast. This has been Justin Farr. Let's go around. Andy Ketch. Tyler Starkey. Seth Reed. And thank you. God bless you. And we'll see you on the next one. This has been an adaptation of the Nash Vocations podcast for Nashville Catholic Radio in conjunction with the Vocations Office of the Diocese of Nashville. Shining the light of our Catholic faith in everyday life. This is Nashville Catholic Radio, 100.5 FM and streaming at NashvilleCR.com and streaming on the Nashville Catholic Radio app. 